following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Revival in Woodbridge RevivalNow.Church Yeah. 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Why? Because they give an orderly account of the life of Jesus Christ. Matthew was probably written primarily for a Jewish audience. Luke was written to Theophilus, who was a Gentile. And Mark, it was the book of action. But in all of these books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they use the same stories. They tell almost the same order of events. But Matthew gives us wonderful stories of Christmas. Luke, likewise, gives us the beginning stories of Jesus Christ's life. Christmas stories. Mark just skips all of that and begins with John the Baptist. But we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John is a very different kind of gospel. It is, yes, the same story, but it's telling us the inside story. It's telling us the deeper things of God. It's not necessarily an orderly presentation of the gospel. It is revealing to us the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. And so the book of John begins not with a story, but with a wonderful presentation of who Jesus is. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor at the National Prayer Chapel. If you will listen carefully to this broadcast today, you will have your heart opened and you will be changed. You will be a different person. You will begin to see reality from a very different perspective. I urge you, take time to spend this hour with me. And if you can't, would you come back and would you look at it this evening on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com? It will be posted there by this evening. And would you listen carefully to the entire presentation and would you follow along in your scripture? For it's my intention day by day on this broadcast to have you changed into the likeness of Jesus. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you to be like Jesus Christ. I want you to literally follow Jesus. John twelve twenty six, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. And part of just the overview of what we're going to do today is that incredible understanding of following Jesus Christ and not allowing the devil fever to take us from his hand. John 1, In the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is the beginning of the Christmas story for the Gospel of John. It is very significant to notice that the Word was with God and the Word was God. That is, Jesus is fully God. He became fully man. But he did not lose his Godhood. He was fully God and fully man, so that he could make the atonement for our sin and create a reconciling bridge between heaven and earth, as spoken of in Genesis 3.19. Nothing was made that was not made by Jesus Christ. Jesus was the God who spoke the world into existence. He is the light. Now, the Greeks understood there was a division between light and darkness. 
John is saying Jesus is the light and the world and the devil are the darkness. In the beginning was the word. The word in the Greek is logos. It literally means, and it was a very famous Greek word, but it literally means the idea behind whatever is created. In other words, Jesus planned in advance what he was going to create on that first day of creation. It was not an afterthought. It was carefully planned out. This creative idea behind what was created is called God. And it is called Jesus. He is a person. He is a spirit, but he has personhood. And so John tells us the beginning of his Christmas story that Jesus is the light and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now John comes and he testifies about this in verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The problem we're facing today, let me be very clear, is whether or not you will recognize Jesus for who he is, the Messiah. The angels said he would save his people from their sin. It does not say that he would walk with his people in their sin. No, he came to save his people from their sin. And those who received him, to those who believed in his name. Now, in English, to say I believe something means that I agree intellectually that that is true. But in the Greek, that's not, that's not accurate. In the Greek, when it says you believe in something, it means you rest your whole weight, your security, your life. You are attached to to what you believe in. It is what gives you sustenance. It is what gives you security. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now you recognize that we were all children of the devil. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The natural man is a a son of the devil. We now have an opportunity, through Jesus Christ, to become children of God. Born of God. Birthed of God. The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We say grace is unmerited favor, and that is true. 
But Titus tells us that grace is divine influence to teach us to say no to unrighteousness. Grace is not a covering blanket over our sin. Grace is that divine influence that by way of the truth, Jesus, he is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is Jesus, through divine influence in our lives, that leads us through this process of first receiving him, believing in his name, and taking up the offer to become children of God. Now, when you see this, and we go back to the teaching of Jesus, there is a passage that we need to look at. Matthew, the 16th chapter. This is very sobering for me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's telling them that he is going to be crucified. But on the third day, he would be raised to life. And Peter, in his shallow humanness, steps in and says, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, please, may I be very forthright with you today. Many of you listening to this broadcast do not have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of man. That is, you are a stumbling block. You are stumbling in your trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. Now, why would I say such a thing? Well, let's begin with verse 24. This is Matthew 16, verse 24. I'm going to go slowly. I'm going to explain carefully what the Word says. And then we're going to go to 1 John and look at a passage there that is corresponding to this one. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, That is, if anyone would follow me. Do you remember in that John, the first chapter, we have the right to follow Jesus and to become sons of God? He's saying, okay, if you want to come after me, if you want to be a follower of mine, if you want to be a child of God, then you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, and you must follow me. Jesus is not going to follow you. You must follow him. Now, please, I'm not quite sure how to say this to you, but it is of utmost importance. The first step, is that we must take initiative. 
we must take the initiative to say this normal American life that I'm participating in will not take me to heaven. It will not cause me to be born from above. It will not allow me to enter into being a child of God, a son of God. So if a man or a woman simply lives his normal life, he fills his time with entertainment, he fills his time with work, he fills his time with family life, he fills his time with guys hunting and and shooting, and I love to do both but I haven't done it for a long time because I don't have time. I'm following Jesus. Please understand what I'm saying. There are many things that are not wrong. I love kayaking. I love bicycling. There are many things that I could be very engaged in. I love to travel. There are many things I love. But I've had to deny myself. Some of you, you're smoking pot, and your mind gets messed up. Some of you are drinking alcohol. In the center of your mind, the the conscience is, is deadened, and you say and do things that you ought not to be saying or doing. Some of you are, are wine, wine bibbers. Some of you are sugar-aholics. Some of you, you're filled with pride and ambition. Some of you are, are filled with life. And Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself. And then you have to take up your cross. And he says, you have to follow me. Well, where was he going? He was going to Golgotha to be crucified and to be raised on the third day. You're going to have to take time to be holy. Oh, I want revival. I want the power of God to come. But what is revival? It is a new decision. It is a new decision to obey God in even the smallest of things. It is a decision to deny myself, to take up my cross. It is a decision to lay down this world and its pleasures. It is a desire in my heart that says, I must read the word of God. I must spend time in prayer and supplication. I must spend time talking with others about Jesus. I I jotted down four things as I was praying about this. Number one, you have to hear the word of God, and that's what you're doing right now. You have to hear the word of God. Number two, you have to repent of not following after Jesus, of being full of the world and all of its lust and all of its pleasures and all of its stuff. 
You have to repent of that. And to repent means I turn aside from it and I no longer walk in it. Some of you need to repent for your lusting after the the football. Some of you spend hours watching the Steelers or watching the Redskins or watching Patriots or whoever you watch. You spend hours and it sears your mind and it turns you away from Jesus. And then you're satisfied with your rituals of religion. But when you're together with the guys, you just want to talk about the football. You don't want to talk about Jesus. You have nothing fresh to say to your friends about Jesus. But you comfort one another in your wickedness. So you joke and you laugh and you jostle one with another. But you don't deny yourself. You don't take up your cross. And you don't follow after Jesus. Because you're so full of the world and its entertainment and its stuff and its desires and its goals and its objectives and its way of spending money, you're so caught up in all of this. What are you going to do when you come to the judgment? How will you stand before a holy God and explain to him you're smoking and you're drinking, you're chewing, your pornography, your fornication, your lust for the things of the world. How are you going to explain that to Jesus? You have to hear the word of God. You have to repent of all of this sin. And then you have to be born from above And that's an act of absolute and complete surrender where I say, Jesus, I'm finished with this world. I'm finished with following after it. I am done with this wickedness. I choose you, Jesus. And then number four, you go to work for Jesus. I don't care if you're a businessman a nurse, an office worker, a plumber, an electrician, a worker in a restaurant, a pastor. It doesn't matter what job, function you have been assigned by the Lord. It matters whether or not in that place You're working for money or you're working for Jesus. It makes all the difference in the end result. So he says, if anyone would come after me, now here are the conditions for coming after Jesus. You must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. And you must follow me, he says. And then he goes on, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Well, do you understand? This is an active, an active decision that you are going to change 
your lifestyle, and your behavior. You are not going to sit down in front of the television ever again, even the History Channel. You are going to get the television out of your house. Why do I say that? Because it is the demon box. It is the idol. It is the drug of choice for many people who call themselves Christians. Oh, pastor, I want to watch the movies. I want to watch the sports. I want to watch the history. I want to watch. I want to watch. I want to watch. It's seductive. It is evil. It will not take you to heaven. And there are many other things that you're going to have to also turn aside from. Facebook, social media. They're all designed by pagan people to captivate and control your heart and your mind. You're going to have to turn away from the lust for money, the lust for security. You're going to have to turn away. If you want to save your life, if you want to save your lifestyle, if you want to save your soul, your personality, you're going to have to let go of it. You're going to have to lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. So this is a process that I'm speaking about. It does not need to be a long process. It is a process of hearing the word of God, of repenting of all of your sin, changing your mind about your life, choosing to deny yourself. See, the flesh wants to be satisfied. It does not want to be denied. It wants what it wants, and it will take you to hell you will lose your life. You must repent of all those things that you have given into and walked in in this world that have turned you aside from Jesus Christ. So you must hear the word of God. You're hearing it right now. You must listen and obey and repent of all sin. And sin, we're told in 1 John, is lawlessness. That is, to treat lightly as though not important the word of God. And then you must be born from above as you wait upon the Lord. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done, not to what he has said, not to his profession of faith. I hear this silly confession. Lord, we have all sinned in thought and deed and word. And it goes on. And then you receive absolution. 
It's all false. Repentance is specific. It is concrete. It is based on what you have done. It is based on what you have done in your mind, with your body, with your mouth, with your hands, and with your feet. It is what you have done that will be the basis of judgment, Jesus has said. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. According to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And they saw that shortly after on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now please, if you go with me then to 1 John, 1 John, the third chapter. John goes into great detail now in his epistle. How great, chapter 3, is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when we, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there is a purification process of cleaning out everything that blocks and grieves the power of the Spirit in your life. This is a part of the repenting of all sin, changing our mind about how we operate. And then he goes on and becomes very specific. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. That is, sin treats the commands of God lightly indifferently, casually. I see people come into church casually speaking to that one and this one, telling a joke here, slapping on the back there. No fear of God. I see them coming in dressed in every kind of casual clothing. Why? Because they understand the gospel to be man and woman-centered, not God-centered. When I go to church, I wear the best clothing I have. Why? Because this is not about me and my experience. Truth is not established by my experience. Truth is is established by who God is. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of who God is that matters. And so you you show up in church in your casual clothing. You don't care enough to dress in the best you have. You are saying to God, it's all about me, and, and I'm comfortable. I'm relaxed. Okay, God, what can you do for me today? That's not the gospel, and that's not Christian. 
And yet this infection has spread through the whole body of Christ because somehow we're establishing truth based on come as you are. Well, when I was a kid, we taught come as you are to church, but you will not remain as you are at church. You will be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You will put away your sin. You will put away your casualness. You will begin to understand the holiness of God. And you will not just casually meander in telling jokes and slapping backs. There will be fear of God in your heart. And you will understand that this God has the power to cast you into hell. You will not walk in the wickedness of the human flesh if you are a Christian. It goes on. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. If you continue walking in sin, you don't know Jesus. You know religion. You know some false theology but you don't know Jesus. Verse 7, dear children, this is 1 John 3, verse 7, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed, that's God's sperma, God's sperm remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. In other words, God births something new through his sperm in us a supernatural reproduction of himself. And now, instead of acting like Adam in the old flesh, we are made new in the likeness of Jesus. This is the glorious message of Christmas. This Jesus who came as a baby in the manger did not just come to be sweet and sentimental. He came to give us new life. He came to give us a new birth. He came to wash and cleanse us. He came to open the gate to God that we might be reconciled to him. He came to make us new. If you are walking in sin today, you need to repent. If you have not denied yourself and taken up your cross, if you have not turned aside from the wicked things of this world, even from the good things of this world, remember it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there is one tree. It is called the tree of life. Jesus Christ is the tree of life. He said, eat my body 
and drink my blood. That becomes for us who are sold out to Jesus our complete diet. We no longer eat the fruit of the devil tree. How many times I've seen Christians, people who who either at one time knew Jesus Christ or have been brought into the culture of the Christian church, but they catch devil fever. What is devil fever? The lies of the devil saying, God is a hard man. You'd be happier if you were just relaxing. If you were just living a normal life, you don't need to spend all of that time reading the scripture and praying and searching after Jesus. Go be with friends. Go enjoy your life. Don't you know that you don't have to seek after Jesus? Go to work and earn some money. And so the heart is inflamed with darkness. The heart is inflamed, and we begin to hear people say, I want to be my own boss. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to follow this Jesus. You mean, I'm going to have to turn aside from these professional sports? Come on, give me a break, pastor. Is there any sin in going to a, to a game? Can't I go? And, and watch the Baltimore Orioles play up in Baltimore. Well, yes, I've done that. Once in a while, you'll have to listen to the Holy Spirit. But if that's your food, if that's what you feast on, and you go and you have your beer and you're joking and laughing and you've lost track of the seriousness that the men and women sitting around you are hell-bound... Would Jesus go sit there? Would Jesus go do that? Well, we have no record of his doing that. There was a great a great center of entertainment right in Jerusalem, an amphitheater. The best plays of Rome would come to town. The entertainment would come to town. We've no record of Jesus saying to his disciples, "Hey guys, we've we've put in a full week. Let's go take a break. We need to relax and and you need to rest." No, we have no record of Jesus doing that, but we do have a record of his saying, "You need to rest. Let's go apart." Rest for the disciples was leaving the crowds and spending precious time with Jesus, who was the creator of heaven and earth, who was the healer. Now, I recognize that what I'm saying does not go along with the worldly church and the worldly understanding. No, we'd rather have parties and go to the dances and have social events. We don't want to be alone with Jesus. I do. The joy of my heart is when my wife and I can just 
spend time praying together, reading the word together, when I can meet with a few other Christians and we can just come apart and pray and hear what God wants. Tuesday night, we had that kind of time. We were at the All Saints Church at 7.30. It was a time of just sharing and prayer. We shared some of our spiritual journey with each other. And we just spent the time talking with Jesus, praying, crying out to him. I left much refreshed, encouraged in heart and spirit and soul. Please understand, verse, this is 1 John 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murder has eternal life. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friend, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. That is, to utterly give ourselves over to this man, Jesus. To not reserve time to be foolish, to walk in the flesh, to be casual, This is the command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. Many of you today listening to this broadcast Do not walk in the spirit of Jesus Christ because you have religion, but you have never truly taken up your cross 
and followed Jesus. You have never really repented of your lust and your comfortableness and your desire for this world and the things of this world. You've never really been born from above. You're not a new creature in Christ. You're a religious person, but you're not really a new person. You still have the lust of the flesh raging in your heart. Some of you try to put down this sin or that sin, but you're not successful, and so you repent and repent and repent for an individual sin. The answer is be born from above, be made into a new creature by the sovereign power of God, by the majesty of Jesus. So what are you going to do with this message? What action will you take? Will you begin to deny yourself the social media? Will you begin to deny yourself the television? Will you begin to deny yourself the worldly music, the pot, the alcohol? Will you begin to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus and become true followers of Jesus? Will you begin to turn your heart toward heaven and allow Jesus to make you into a new creature? And will you go to work for Jesus, ministering in his name, testifying to his righteousness and his goodness? Or are you going to continue casually walking through life filled with your darkness, your despair, your struggle, your tiredness, your depression. There's a new life for you. It is found in Jesus Christ. Now, let me pray for you. Almighty God, I've shared your word, and they have heard it. Would you now cause them to repent of all of their sin, to take up their cross, to deny themselves? And I'm asking for the revival miracle of you giving them new birth, that they could go to work for you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I ask now for your blessing upon each who has listened to this broadcast. Come, mighty God of heaven. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Would you consider visiting this Sunday? We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. We meet downstairs and go around to the back side of the church. You come in the double glass doors. It says lower lobby. You'll find us on the left-hand side. We begin praying at 12 noon. You're welcome to come and pray. It won't be a large group, but it will be a very earnest group. And if you want Jesus, he'll meet you there. Would you come? Again, the church is located at 14851 Gideon. Drive.
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find all the information you need. Or go to our webpage, revivalnow.church. My brother, my sister, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of God.